0: scripture reading for our meditation today is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 42 and 43. And St. Paul writes, So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. Here ends our reading. One year ago in Huntsville, Alabama, some residents in a neighborhood noticed a bad smell that was coming from their neighbor's backyard, and they called authorities. Police came and started to investigate, and they discovered that there was a man living in this house who had been passing himself off as a funeral director, and had little cards printed up, even though he was not licensed for this, and offered crematorium services for cremation and apparently they discovered what he was doing actually was just giving people urns full of ashes from trees that he had burned in his backyard and was burying the bodies in his yard and putting them in various places. 167 bodies were discovered in his yard and he was arrested and taken into custody put on trial and sent to jail. On the other end of the spectrum, he was charging $50, by the way, for a cremation. On the other end of the spectrum, the Cryonics Institute in New York for $200,000 will take your body and put it into a permanent freeze that they claim will last forever. Or you can just have your head done for $28,000. The Major League Baseball's best hitter in history, Ted Williams, they claim as they have preserved his head. It's interesting that how bodies are taken care of after death is, is something that intrigues us and it also, it also brings out that, that we expect a certain type of care to be done to the human body. And in almost every culture and nation in the world, there are laws against doing things with a dead body because we recognize there's, there's something kind of special and unique about that. In fact, the more ancient a burial ground is, probably the, the greater preservation there will be uh, around it and uh, trying to make sure that, that nothing bad happens to it. It, it shows how different we are from the animal kingdom. It shows how differently God has made humanity. And, and, and even people who believe in evolution, that think we came from tadpoles and everything else, that think we're nothing but the plant world and like the animal world, even they still recognize there's something different about humanity. And when a human being dies, we expect a certain level of care regarding that. St. Paul shines a light, however, on the degrading reality that death brings to us in our world. It degrades us as human beings. Listen to the words that he chooses to use. The body is sown, like put into the ground, in corruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is sown in weakness, just like a, a dead little seed that's dropped down into the wet soil. That's what, that's what he's picturing as the way our bodies go into the ground. And the reason that happens to us, all of these negative things he's describing, the reason that happens to us is because of the sin that's just alive in all of us. The wages of sin is that, is just getting stuck into the ground, dead. It's, it's evidence of the, the garbage that comes out in us, in our mouths, and our eyes, and everything else. That's why this has to happen to us. And we may try to dress up death. We may try to figure out ways to make it look really good and and try to have it appear a little bit nicer and so on. But by itself, it's really a dishonorable thing. He talks about being a dishonorable thing, and that is really true. There's, There's no greater dishonor than just dying and being stuck in the ground. Corruption, he uses the word corruption. Yeah, that's what starts to happen when you're in soil for a while. And it's the ultimate example of our weakness. He brings up that the body is sown in weakness. There's nothing, there's nothing that's a greater example of how powerless I am or you are than your corpse someday. That, that is weakness personified. And so by ourselves, we can't get out of this. We are like slaves to it. We're shackled to it and uh, it controls us and it's ahead for each one of us in our lives and because of that we try to stay away from it we pay people the, the, the largest amount of money we can to, to try and keep keep this far away from us and any little disease that attacks us we just we just have to try to get away from it even when it takes place in our families we we hire somebody else to take care of the bodies because it's something we just don't want to have to be around our natural instinct is to recoil from it Uh, once I remember while I was taking a shower I had a scorpion come up in my drain when we lived in Florida and I just immediately backed as far away into the back of the shower as I could Luther said it well even the pig squeals at the slaughter I probably squealed that day (laughs) the closer it comes to us uh, the more it it has an impact on us and the, the more it can kind of grip us as well. Uh, Within about a three-month period in my life, when I was in ninth grade, I lost my grandmother, who was in her upper 70s, and I had a classmate who was 14 or 15 years old die, who sat right in front of me in class. Her death touched me a lot more than my grandmother's because she was my age. It was someone right in my wheelhouse of life. Back in the 1800s, there was a, uh, a slave, an African-American man, who had a horrible master. His name, the, the man's name, the slave's name, was Henry Brown. And he rose up high enough in this plantation he was working at to, to be the guy that his slave master would use to package things and send them off uh, to other cities. And um, the, uh, up in the north, there was freedom for many slaves at this time. But he was living in the south. So one day, Henry Brown, very, very wisely, decided to make a large package, a large box, and placed, placed himself inside of it, inside of the crate, and shipped himself to a business in Boston, where he then lived the rest of his life in freedom. It's kind of a picture of, of what, what we have when it comes to death as believers in Christ, something that, that appears to, to take things away from us, something that appears to kind of trap us, is ultimately the way God will bring us to the greatest freedom you and I will ever know. And that is the freedom of our bodies rising from the grave and everlasting life in heaven. Our Lord Jesus goes to each one of these words that Paul uses, corruption, dishonorable, and weakness, and completely flips them on their head. Paul balances this out with this amazing contrast. So, Christ takes this extreme event of corruption that's coming in your life and turns it into nothing but a doorway to eternal incorruption for you, something where death will never touch you, where no disease will ever touch you again. He has taken what is the most dishonorable possible event in your life and he's caused it now to give you the greatest honor. To stand in the presence of God and his angels someday in heaven. And he grabs you in your greatest moment of weakness and has given you the power over everything. This is all done simply through the little gift of faith that's in your heart, that trusts in your Savior. Isn't it amazing how differently Jesus talks about death in the Bible than, than the world talks about death? how scary and awful it is Jesus calls it a sleep he equates it to a a little seed that goes into the ground and produces a gorgeous plant and flowering plant Christ looks at death and has you look at your death in such a completely different way by faith in him you are the body of Christ connected to the head that's come alive the the head will not leave the body in the grave it's all alive and you're part of that through Christ a beautiful example of the confidence that this gives us years ago when I was a young pastor I went to see a woman who was possibly being diagnosed with leukemia and I remember the day I found out I was going into her her hospital room I had to be all masked up and um, one of the nurses told me that she did just find out she has leukemia and as I came into her room I was kind of expecting she might be sad and she was the happiest person I'd ever seen (laughs) She said, did you hear the good news? I have leukemia. Now I know how I'm going to heaven. (laughs) And that's the kind of confidence that that our Savior gives us. Uh, Because I live, you shall live also, he says. He gives you power over your own future death and over your grave. What What an amazing, wonderful Lord we have. And uh, what a blessed week it is and fraught throughout our lives to celebrate his erection, resurrection every time we go to church on a Sunday, which is the Lord's day. God be praised. Amen.